verses 1 through 11. Last week, we talked about the announcement of Jesus' birth to, to Joseph and that Jesus was to be called Emmanuel. And uh, Matthew referenced for us a passage from Isaiah about Emmanuel. And really the, the meaning of the name is what's important there, that the coming Messiah would be named Emmanuel. But not necessarily so much that that would be his name because the angel had told Joseph to name him Jesus, but but what did Emmanuel mean? It meant God with us, and that's what the point that Matthew is getting across when he references this Emmanuel prophecy in Isaiah, that, that this one who was coming, Jesus, is, is, is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And so uh, tonight we will continue on in Matthew 2, and we will talk about the wise men or the magi, as some of your translations will say. So let's read through the text, then we'll pray and talk about it. Matthew 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, because out of you will come a leader who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me, so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Let's pray. God, as we... Look at this passage tonight. I pray that we would learn something from what we see. God, I pray that your word would speak to us and that we would, we would follow the example of these wise men. Indeed, they were wise. God, I pray that you just help your Holy Spirit to open our ears and our hearts to hear your word. I know we may have come in here with worries and fears and pains and difficulties with life, whatever it may be, God. I pray in these few minutes you can help us to learn in your word, to grow in your word, and to seek you in the same way that the wise men did. And God, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is quite an interesting passage because in our minds we have we have kind of we've kind of formed this this story of the birth of Jesus maybe in one way, but it is in a way that is not necessarily what scripture says. Now, when I say that, I, I what I'm saying is is that we often see Christmas programs and they and they go a certain way. You 
you see the birth of the G of Jesus and the shepherds come and the wise men come and, and in our Christmas program it all happens at once. And if I were to ask you guys tonight for a pop quiz, how many wise men were there, you would probably all say three. And that's what we're used to. We are familiar with the three wise men. However, the text doesn't tell us how many wise men there were. Nowhere in there does it tell us that there were three wise men at all. And it is likely that they came much later after Jesus' birth. It's pretty clear from the text that the wise men did not come at the time of Jesus' birth. At the time of Jesus' birth, this star appeared and they followed the star. How long did it take them to arrive to where Jesus was? Well, we simply do not know the answer to that. And the Bible is, is really unclear. We know that it's probably less than two years because King Herod asked these wise men how long it had been. And then later on, he commands that all the, the children, the male children under two years old are, are killed because he's, he's wanting to make sure he kills this coming Messiah, this king who was to come. And so we know that it's likely less than two years, but it's most certainly not the day that Jesus was born. Now, the shepherds were there. The angel come to the shepherds and said, hey, today the, the Messiah has been born. The Savior has been born. And, and they knew of the birth of Jesus that day. But the wise men came at a much later time. And and we don't know how many wise men there were, although uh, three is the, is the most common thought, at least uh, that's what we see in our Christmas programs, and, and perhaps that comes from the fact that there was gold and frankincense and myrrh, and if each bought, brought one gift, it would be logical that, that it was three wise men, but, but even that logic is, is pretty flawed. It could have been it could have been a hundred wise men bringing chariots full of gold and, and, and frankincense and myrrh, and so we don't really know all the details that we want to know with this story. But it doesn't change the impact and the importance of the story. And we are introduced to this story. We are introduced to the old little town of Bethlehem that we just sing about. And after Jesus was born, these magi, these wise men, arise from the east. And they saw this star of Jesus. Now, this first part of this may make you scratch your head and ask a lot of questions. And I think that's natural. Why were these wise men looking for a star? Why were these wise men looking for the Messiah? Why, when they saw a star in the sky, they assumed that that was going to be the king who was to come? Where did they get this information from? We simply do not know. Matthew doesn't tell us. The scripture doesn't tell us. There, So far as I know, there's not any kind of prophecy about a star will appear and, and you see the star and go to it. But for whatever reason, these magi, these wise men... They saw a star. These would have been stargazers, star watchers, probably uh, trying to read things and see things from the stars. And for whatever reason, when they saw this star, they said, this star is where the Messiah is born. And they traveled from the east. How far east? Well, we really don't know. It is, it is likely that it was pretty far east around the, uh, the area maybe where Babylon once was. And maybe the best... The best theory that I have heard that, that seems very plausible to me is that when Daniel was in captivity in the, the land of the Babylonians, he had a little bit of power, and he was a godly man, and, and he was over some of these same type of wise men. He was amongst them, and perhaps Daniel's teachings of Scripture 
and what Daniel said and what Daniel showed. And they saw how Daniel lived. Perhaps that's where they were introduced to this idea of this Messiah who would come. Because after all, it is in the book of Daniel that we see this prophecy about these these, these uh, weeks of, of seven that are come that represent uh, 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 seven years, 490 in total. And perhaps if these would have been the one who would have been around Daniel and been familiar with the works of Daniel, they simply just did math. They were, they were looking, they were seeking the Messiah. All the details of that, however, are just things that we can, we can wonder about because the Bible does not tell us how these guys knew about this star why they were following a star, why they thought the star represented the Messiah. But ever how many wise men they were, when they saw this star, they said, the Messiah has been born, and we need to go look for it. Now, depending on how far away they were, it would have taken them days, weeks, months to get to where the star was. And, and they arrived in the area. Now, you could imagine how difficult it must be. You kind of, you kind of, you follow a star and you can get pretty close. That's like trying to catch the end of a rainbow, right? You kind of see which direction to go, but the closer you get to it, it's like, wait a minute, where, where do I go? Well, they saw the area, the vicinity, and they went to that vicinity and they, they saw King Herod and they said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east. And when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, it said. Naturally so. King Herod was the king of the Jews. And these guys are coming saying that there's the king of the Jews that had been born. Uh-oh. That's a problem when we have power and authority and wealth. And we need to be careful because, boy, when we begin to get power, we don't want to give that power up. Even if we're not fit to hold that power and in this case, King Herod was not a very good king, and, and here comes King Jesus, and Herod did not want to relinquish the power. And it says not only was Herod deeply distressed, but it says, and all Jerusalem with him. Now that's an interesting thing to consider. Why was all Jerusalem distressed? I mean, after all, these would have been Jewish people in Jerusalem. Should not they have been the ones looking for the Messiah? Should not it have been them who had been seeking the Messiah? If all the people, should not God's people have, have been looking and said, hey, I think this is the time. And when the, when the Magi, when the wise men got there, they should have said, oh yeah, we're waiting on him too. This is great. But that wasn't the case. It appears that Herod and the people in Jerusalem, at least, at least a large portion of them, weren't looking for the Messiah. Now, here's something we see in Scripture that we need to be aware of. And it says, and all of Jerusalem with him was deeply distressed. But we know as we read through the story of the birth of Jesus that not everybody was distressed. There were some who were looking forward to the birth of Jesus. In particular, you can read about the stories of Anna and Simeon. They were looking forward to the coming of the Messiah. And so sometimes in Scripture we see the term all, and, and it's, not, it's not to be taken literal. But there were a lot of people. There were a lot of people. There are a lot of times that the Bible says all that it doesn't mean all. It just simply means maybe the majority of or a lot of. But... A lot of the people in Jerusalem were deeply distressed. And why is that? Well, I don't know. Perhaps, perhaps they thought that when the new king come, that there was going to be a war. Maybe they didn't want to be in a war. They said, ah, we'd rather just have the same old king than have a new king. Maybe they were in tight with, with Herod. Maybe they were buddy-buddy with Herod. Maybe Herod was being good to this group that's being talked about. And they didn't want a new king to come. 
They were benefiting maybe from Herod's power. We don't know why. We can understand why Herod was distressed, but it's not so easy to know why the people of Jerusalem were distressed, but indeed they were. So Herod shows shows us something in the next passage in verse 4. He says, So he assembled the chief priest and scribe of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Okay, so Herod has some knowledge and some idea about the Messiah being born, and then it's written somewhere. Oh, I know I've seen that somewhere. Where is it written? Where did the prophets say that the Messiah was to be born? And they quote for him Micah chapter 5, verse 2, in Bethlehem of Judea. And then there's going to come one who will be a leader, who will shepherd my people Israel. Well, that's talking about Jesus. And so Herod and these chief priests knew a Messiah was coming. They even knew the town that he was going to be born in. And so you would think upon hearing this news that Herod and the people would say, hey, wait, these wise men are here. Maybe they're on to something. Hey, where, where was this Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem he was to be born. So Herod continues on with these wise men, and he, it says he summoned them and asked them exactly what time did you see this star? Now this is probably so he could begin to calculate. Okay, if you started coming when you saw the star, and you're here now, and it took you six months to get here, let's say, or a year to get here, then that means the star would have appeared at this time. That means the child would be this age by now. So he asked them, when did you see this star? And then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully to the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Now that would have been great if that would have really been what was on Herod's heart, but that was not at all what's on Herod's heart. As we continue to read through the story, we see that his desire was not to worship the Messiah, but to kill the Messiah. And so we see here at the beginning of Jesus' life, that it looks exactly like the end of Jesus' life. The Messiah has come, but guess what? The people didn't want the Messiah. King Herod had power. Other people under King Herod had power. They didn't want to give up the power. I'm the king. I don't want there to be another king. So what's the solution? I'll kill the king. This is not so different than what we see in the middle of Jesus' ministry when he gives the parable of the vineyard, that the, the vineyard owner prepared pre, pre, prepared the vineyard, did all the work, and told these people to, hey, it's your vineyard, take care of it. But they didn't want to give up the fruits of the vineyard. They wanted to run the vineyard. They didn't want to answer to the vineyard owner who had done the work. And he'd send these people to him, and they'd they'd kill him, or they'd run him off. And finally, the vineyard owner said, I'm going to send my son. And guess what they said? It says in the parable that they said, hey, we'll kill the son of the vineyard owner, and then we'll have the vineyard for ourselves. Now, this is a theme that we have seen throughout the life of Jesus, here uh, not long after his birth, in his ministry, and at his death. How did the people of God deal with Jesus? They said, we don't want him, we'll kill him, because we'd rather live the way we want to live than follow Jesus. And so we see this pattern that starts here with Herod. He says, look, I want to go worship him. But he didn't. He wanted to kill him, because he wanted to be in power, he wanted to be in control, and he did not want to seek the Messiah that Jesus, or excuse me, that God had sent in Jesus. And so after hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. Now what this star looked like 
and how it moved and how high up it was would be something amazing for us to know. However, we do not know. But ever how God did this, it seems to be a miraculous event nonetheless. Ever how God led them, somehow, some way, by this star that they saw, that had led them to this area, and then here again appeared, led them to where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Now that's a proper response. They are looking for the Messiah. They are seeking the Messiah. And now they are getting close. The closer they get to the Messiah, the greater joy that's in their life. Now that's the opposite of what Herod's going through. The closer the Messiah got to Herod, the more angry he was, the more hatred he had, the more bitterness that was in him. He was ready to murder, and he did murder lots of children. Why? Because he did not want the Messiah. But the wise men show us the example that we are to live by. The closer they got to Jesus, the more joy was in their life. Now, that's true for you and I. When we reject Jesus or we live in sin and we are disobedient, we become more like Herod. We may not want to admit it, but we exhibit those same qualities, anger and hatred and bitterness and, and impatience and selfishness and all these things. When we get further from Jesus, this is what our life looks like too. And if we're honest, we know it. We can probably look back and it won't take us long to see a point in time where we say, hey, I wasn't living for Jesus the way I should have, and I was not living my life in a way that I should have been living it. But what happens? What happens when you begin to repent, when you begin to humble yourself, when you begin to get in God's Word, when you begin to say, all right, I'm going to live for you, Jesus. I'm going to live like you. Guess what? All of a sudden, your joy is restored. He restoreth our soul, as David said in Psalm 23. And as the wise men drew closer to Jesus, they were overjoyed. They were filled with joy the closer they got to Jesus, and it's the same for you and I. Verse 11. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Now, this is an interesting clue that maybe we would pass over, but what did they enter? They entered a house. Now, Jesus wasn't born in a house. At least it doesn't appear he was. He was probably born in some type of stable or some type of cave. However, it's possible uh, in those days uh, that, that some suggest that, that the animals would be on the bottom floor of the structure and the house would be on the top floor. And so there is a possibility that they had not done anything but moved upstairs. They had been down with the animals and they had moved to an upper room, which would have been referred to as a house. And that's a possibility. Uh, but wh whatever has occurred here, there has been a change in location. Uh, so at least a little bit of time has passed by. Uh, regardless of how much time, though, that's, that's not really of much significance to us, even though we may like to know. But what really is important is what their response is. They have made their way to Jesus, and there they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Now that's... That's the proper response. When we see Jesus Christ in Scripture and we pray to God and we feel God working in our life and we feel the Spirit working and we sing songs to the Lord, in all of those ways, we should be drawing closer to the Lord. 
And what should be our response when we dwell on the Lord and His Word and sing His songs and pray to Him? It should be a heart of worship. Now, Herod is a good example of you honor me with your lip, but your heart is far from me. Herod says, oh, go find him and tell me I want to worship him. He said the right thing, but his heart said, I really want to kill him. But not so for the wise man. God's own people miss the Messiah. From here on, for the next 33, give or take a few years that Jesus was on this earth, and not everybody, but a lot of them did. A lot of people missed him. They missed him, God's own people. But yet these foreigners who came from the east trusted God so much that they said, we're going to make a journey across the desert. We're going to follow a star in the sky because we know that the Messiah of God's people has come. And this is not terribly uncommon for us in God's word. Oftentimes, God's own people miss God, but sometimes we see that the foreigners get it. God's people miss God, but not Rahab the prostitute in the foreign land. She knew who God was. She feared God. The very people that should have feared God didn't fear God. But God was faithful to those who feared Him. God was faithful to those who would seek Him. And guess what? Those who seek God will find him. You ever played hide and seek before? When you play hide and seek, the game is pretty simple. The name tells you the rules. One person hides and the other people seek that person. Now, if you're playing hide and seek and the seekers don't seek, they are not going to find the hider. It's just that simple. If you are not seeking, you will not find what you are looking for. And that was the case for God's people. God was hiding in a sense, but not really. He was hiding in plain sight. He wasn't, he wasn't right there standing in front of them uh, in the flesh for all those years before Jesus came. Uh, but, but he was there if they would seek him. And then he did come and stand right before them in the flesh in Jesus. And they sit there and looked him right in the eye and saw him do miracles. And they, they just looked right on past him. They still didn't see him. Why? Because they were not seeking God. But the, but the wise men were. And that's the example that you and I need to live by. This is a good thing for us to consider. Are we seeking God? Who can find God? Anybody that seeks Him. It does not matter if you are short, tall. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money's in your bank account. It doesn't matter which country you're from. It doesn't matter if you are sick or well. It does not matter what denomination is on the sign of your church. What matters is, are you seeking Jesus? And if you seek him, guess what? I can guarantee you that you will find him. Because his word says so. If you seek me, you will find me. When you search for me with all of your heart, you will find me. Jeremiah 29, 13, I think that is. And so the wise men were seeking God. They had been looking for him. Who knows for how long? But I don't think they just woke up one day and said, hey, wait, there's a star. I wonder, you know what? That might be a Messiah that's coming. That may be the case. Maybe the Holy Spirit just put it on them. 
But I think that they were men, for whatever reason, that had been looking for the Messiah for years. And as soon as they said, hey, here's where Jesus is, they said, we are going to find him. And we read God's word. Why? Because we see Jesus in God's word. We do the work of God. Why? Because Jesus is in that work. The Holy Spirit is in that work. We come together as a church because we come to worship Jesus. And so the wise men were seeking Jesus, and that's what you and I need to do. And they worshiped him, it said. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is a beautiful story that has that has unfolded. And as I have said often, it's good for us to read different gospel accounts. Now, oddly enough, Mark's account and John's account don't even talk about the birth of Jesus. They, they, they start right on with the ministry of Jesus. But, but Matthew and Luke do give us some details about the birth of Jesus, and they give us some different details, some different perspectives, some different things about what has taken place. Last week, we saw that Jesus' birth was announced to Joseph to stick with Mary and name the, name the child Jesus. And here we see the coming of the wise men, but, but there are more details to the story that we see in Luke, and we will cover those next week. But if we, if we get anything from this passage, there are a lot of things that we may have questions about. How did the wise men know? Why did they know to look for a star? Why did they think the star represented the Messiah? How did they even know about the Messiah? All of these questions are good questions. How long did it take them to get there? How old was Jesus when they got there? Those are good questions that we would love to know, but we do not know the answer to those questions. How many of them was it? Was it three of them? Was it two of them? Was it a hundred of them? We simply do not know. And so those are all things we don't know, but there's one thing we do know. These men were seeking Jesus so that they could worship him. And when they were seeking him, they found him. And when they found him, they humbled themselves, they kneeled before Jesus, and they worshiped him. And that's what you and I need to do as well. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight, and we thank you for this good passages and these good, this good story we, we get to read and be reminded of this time of year, dear Lord. And I pray, God, that we would be found faithful to seek you that we would be like the wise men, that we wouldn't miss you. Maybe we do miss you sometimes, dear Lord. Maybe we are just as guilty as Herod and all them folks in Jerusalem we talked about. God, sometimes maybe we see you right in front of us and we just look right on past you. But God, help us to be seeking you. Help us to be in your word and to seek you, God, so that we won't miss you, so that we'll be aware of every way that you're working in our life and everything that your word says. And God, I pray that we'd be found faithful to seek you. And God, I know we'll find you. And let us find joy in you because, well, God, there is no other place to find joy. So let us be less like Herod and be more like these wise men so that we here, all these thousands of years later, can be wise men and women as well. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.